I just Soto to the Yanks. Are we official on that? Yeah, I think so. I, I was just talking about how depressed I am that he's back to a Mets rival. Well, you can't really consider it a Mets rival, right? I mean, I guess it's New York City, but... Are you going to go with the big brother, little brother thing again? Well, you know, I mean, the Yankees and the Mets haven't been great the last, uh, you know, almost honestly for a decade if we're talking about it. I get it. The Yankees have made the playoffs more consistently um, and, you know, the ALCS and things like that, but... Uh, you know, they haven't been particularly good. And, uh, you know, I get it. Juan Soto's a good player. But, I mean, how much better is he going to be on the Yankees, um, you know, when he was out in San Diego? I mean, I, again, I could be I could be a little off with this. But, like, didn't he underperform kind of when he played for the Padres? Um. His average has been down. His power numbers have been a little down. He's still walking like twice a game. Right, so he's still getting on base, his OPS plus, all that, you know, statistical data that we've started paying attention to in the last 10 or whatever years might be up. But, yeah, I mean, this isn't, you know, this is a guy who what? People were like, he's a, you know, he'll, he'll hit 325 every year with, you know, a shit ton of walks and a shit ton of home runs and, you know, I think now he now he hovers what in the two fifty to two sixty range for average. Yeah, he's always around that two sixty. He still has an on base around four hundred. Yeah, which is obviously electric, and you know we should see those power numbers probably jump up a little bit. Um, you know, in in the in the little league, I think the little league World Series ballpark is bigger than Yankee <laughs> Stadium. Yeah, that right field porch is a joke. So it looks like. According to John Morosi, it's going to be Soto and Trent Grisham to the Yankees. And Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Kyle Hegeshioka to the uh, Padres. So Michael King, big pitching prospect. Brito, big pitching prospect too. Randy Vasquez, I believe, is a shortstop prospect. And then, of course, Hagashioka, the backup catcher. Yeah, so what? Hagashioka is a serviceable catcher. They still got Gary Sanchez out there, no? Uh, I or was that that might have just been like a one-year deal kind of thing. They probably won't bring him back because that guy, you know, defensive liability doesn't hit for average, and obviously the home run numbers. I know he had a little spurt uh, last year where he was cranking balls, but. Okay. It looks like Randy Vasquez is a pitcher, too. Okay. And I heard, I don't know if you mentioned it, but did you say Michael King, too? Yeah, he's a good young Yeah, man. Michael King was, uh, he was, he was you know, pretty solid. Uh, I know he was, uh, you know, out of the bullpen guy, but did he, was he also, um, He I thought he got a couple starts for the Yanks last year as well. I think he did. But either way, I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, that first week of December, man, the uh, winter meetings are heating up. Have they technically started or what's the deal with that? I think they started today in Nashville. Today in Na- Oh, is that where they're hosting them now? They, I know Nashville is a big hub because they're trying to push for a uh, expansion team in Nashville. And I'm pretty sure Dave Dombrowski has been like leading the charge to try and get a team there. I had like, th- for whatever reason, I feel like I've heard that in the past. 
Yeah, I know Justin Timberlake's on that hopeful ownership group. It's a, but they're trying. They're trying to get it. It makes sense. I mean, Nashville is a up and coming city, so you might as well. But where's the fan base? And I know, like, no team, like everywhere is different, and this, that, and the third. And obviously, the Predators have a big fan base, and I guess the Titans fan base is pretty big too. But I mean, is it? You know, isn't it? It's a huge tourist town. Is it? Is it going to be like a Vegas style where they're like, hey, people are just always going to be there? So, you know, let's get an expansion team there. Or is it like, no, we're confident. And I guess Nashville has suburbs that are diehard, uh, you know, sport fans. Yeah, I mean, once they got the Preds, people have really taken them really stuck. under their wing. Yeah. So I could definitely – Nashville's becoming a hotspot for people to settle down. So I can see I can see a baseball team, especially down in the south. People love their baseball. Yeah, I mean um, what uh what what would their uh what would their team name be? <laughs> I think the minor league team name is the Nashville Sounds. The Nashville which Sounds. Which I guess makes, makes sense. sense. Like the whole Yeah, it's gotta be something with Broadway music. Yeah. Country. You know. Can you call them the Nashville Cowboys? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't even know what uh, I don't even know how you would uh, how they would go about it. But they always find a way to come up with a team name, and for whatever reason, the team names they come up with across all major sports, uh, whether it's you know a new expansion team or you know they change the team name because people are upset with the current name, um, it seems like they usually butcher it. Um, some notable. Yeah, I think as long as as long as you don't pick the Commanders, you, you're you're in a pretty yeah, good like spot. Commanders is horrible. <laughs> Guardians, like that's horrible name. Like that is like the worst name you could have came up with. Um, you know, and I'm I'm like, it's just it's so disappointing. I you know I work with uh, some customers who are in the Maryland area who are you know Commander fans. And I like talk to him about it, you know, if I'm talking to him on the phone or whatever. And like, they refuse to call him the commanders. I mean, this lady I talked to strictly calls them the Redskins. So, uh, you know, they can call them commanders all you want, but that hardcore fan base, uh, it's still the Redskins in their mind. Yeah, I was, um, <laughs> over the summer, we were at the, at the pool, the public pool, and there was this group of kids, like 12 years old, and the one kid's like, yeah. I overheard their conversation. He goes, yeah, they'll always be the Redskins in my mind. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like 12 years old, but all right. So it seems like it seems like the people down here are very, very um, anti-commanders. Anti-commanders. Yeah. yeah, but, uh, you know, one of the notable ones for the expansion team um, that I do like is the Seattle Kraken. I think that's a pretty solid name. Um, that, that was, I thought that was pretty good. But other than that, you know. I guess Vegas Golden Knights is kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, keeping it uh, to baseball here, Soto jumping over across the country doesn't go to the Mets. I don't know if the Mets were in conversation or in potential for, uh, you know, a Soto move, but he does go to the Big Apple but for the American League Yankee ball club as seemingly the rich get richer, where in baseball, you know, having a lot of money doesn't seem seem to always matter. Whereas, you know, 
not having enough money, um, i.e. Oakland A's, they also are uh, on the major struggle bus. So it seems like the teams who kind of float in that, you know, middle or above middle are the ones who, who seem to figure it out. And it all goes back to having a competent minor league system, right? Like, you got to have young guys. You got to have guys who come through the ranks. And, you know, those guys care more. Signing seven guys for, you know, millions and millions of dollars, sure, they might say they're bought in, but, you know, they got their paycheck. How much do they really care? Yeah, well, speaking of the minor league systems, um, so we talked a little bit about who the Yankees gave up in that trade. But so Michael King, obviously, you know, 28-year-old pitcher, solid pitcher, started nine games last year. Um, But this Drew Thorpe pitcher and Randy Vasquez, Thorpe is the fifth-ranked prospect in the Yankee system, and Randy Vasquez is the 13th-ranked prospect in the Yankee system. So the Yankees kept their one, two, three, and four prospects and then didn't have to give up anyone else besides Thorpe in the top 10. So that, that's pretty ridiculous that they were So is that more so Cashman pulled off a heist? Or, you know, Can you guys the, hear me pa- the Padres just wanted uh, Soto out of town as fast as possible? I guess it's a little bit of both. And yeah, well, we can okay, hear you. Um, but, yeah, I get, it's all pitching, right? So they got four pitchers, four young pitchers, and then the backup catcher that I guess – has a little bit of work with those pitchers. But besides King and Thorpe, like, no one really sticks out to me. And I guess the Padres need pitching, but I feel like he could have gotten something a little better for a guy like Yeah, Soto. you say they need pitching, but... Uh, Padres are, are too... They were too top-heavy. They just had their, you know, their main five guys, and then they had nobody in the bottom of their lineup. That was a problem when I watched them all this year. Anytime it would be like... Yeah, who, who I guess I think Bogarts was the. I should try to remember who batted like fifth. I think it was Bogarts. Anytime he'd bat or bat fifth, it'd be the six, seven, eight, nine guys, and they would just all go over three, and that'd just be brutal. But kind of to your point, Brian, they're not even like getting, you know, solid everyday players back. I guess Michael King is probably the best, you know, MLB ready guy in that deal. Um, but again, he's a, he's an arm, um, but you know, there's no, did you get any of that or did, did my mic cut out? No, we got that. Will. yeah, we got it. Okay. Uh, I don't, my space for me is acting really weird. Oh no, we got you on here. I mean, can um, we talk about the Padres though? Like yeah, they what, gave up everything to get Soto just to trade him two years later. Yeah. For not. Well, that's why I was saying, that's yeah, what I was saying. Was I mean, more, they were just trying to get rid of them. I know the Padres had to make a change, and they had to do something drastic. But like, I still don't understand them signing Bogarts. It's yeah. So it seems like they went for it, and now they're just trying to start over. Well, I guess not only did they go for it, they were like so bad last year with you know all these high caliber guys. One second. But. Yeah, I mean, they had all these, you know, high-caliber talent on the roster. And I think, did they finish, like, 15 or 20 games below 500, which is really... They, they finished above. They, I think they finished 82 and 80. 
but Which, they still missed out on the playoffs. Well, they missed out on the playoffs, and they, they, I guess, were you know surging very heavily at the end of the year because they were, <laughs> they you were know, <laughs> they, they were well under uh, under five hundred. Why did I say somebody else? No, no, they uh, they were buyers at that deadline. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, they really went for it, and to their credit, they got back in it, but it just was too little, too late. Yeah, too little, too late. Um, and, and again, that kind of is what I was saying earlier. You sign all these guys. How bought in are they really? You know, I know Will touched on, uh, you know, it's um, the, their bottom of the lineup. They didn't have much juice there. But, you know, how bought in were these guys that they're all making, you know, a boatload of money? And, uh, you know, you need the, the core young guys like a Bryson Stott who isn't on a big payroll, who's just out there every day grinding, trying to, trying to you know, win ball games and play hard. Um, you need those young guys who, uh, who, who can play, who play well, are very serviceable and, uh, you know, aren't, don't have the big egos. I think, I think you definitely need a good mix on MLB ball clubs, especially because it's such a long grind of a season, right? Like, if you, you know, teams will start out, in the hole heavy, you know, maybe like an eight and 20 start or, or something along those lines. And, you know, these ego heads, you know, aren't, aren't locked in and aren't connected. I mean, I, you know, it's just, it, it didn't work out for him. And now it seems like after, you know, everyone crowning them as world series champions before the season, they're, they're getting completely gutted. I mean, you know, I know Soto's already out the door, uh, I guess they'll keep Tatis, Machado, and Bogarts around. Um, but, it, you know, I'm hearing that a lot of teams are surfacing as suitors for Blake Snell. I'm hearing a lot of teams are suitors for Josh Hader. Um, so they're losing a lot of key guys. I get, I get it. They might be keeping their three, you know, core guys uh, together in Bogarts, Machado, um, and Tatis, but you know, I guess they don't really have much of a minor league system to to base it off of. And like to your point earlier, Brian, they didn't get that crazy of a prospect return um, from the Yankees. Now, sure, guys can always pan out, and now those guys are in a different situation. Maybe they become you know serviceable or very good MLB players. That's obviously yet to be seen, but. You know, the thing is, is these guys, are, you know, have to come in and, and, you know, how much can, can these three core guys carry uh, with now, you know, you have Bogart, Satis, Machado, and then what, Jay Cronenworth's there. Um, you know, is Gary Sanchez going to stick around? That guy sucks. Um, and it's just like, you know, where are they going to go from here? And it, it sounds like they're going to sell, but they also are going to keep these three core guys together. It sounds like a yeah. mess for the GM to deal with. No, yeah. I mean, he got himself into this mess, but you can't really move Bogarts or Machado because they're just on those monster contracts that are going to keep them in San Diego for the rest of their careers. And then Tatis, he just, he's, he's your cornerstone. You're not going to move him. Um, but, yeah, for the Padres farm, four of their top eight prospects – are their ETA is 2026 20, or later. So I guess what this does is it gives you for either major league ready arms or close to major league ready arms to kind of sure up that farm system. But yeah, they're going to need, they're going to need to get some prospects. I know 
you mentioned Blake Snell. He's all but gone, especially now after Soto's gone. So is he is he a free agent or does he have to be traded? I believe he let me click. I wasn't yeah, quite sure still right now. But let yeah, me got you, Will. No, no, you were talking about Soto right now? Uh, we're, Blake Snell. Yeah, we're just kind of going over the Padres. Now, what's a free agency? Uh, isn't free uh, free agent, I believe. Who Snell? Yeah, I believe he oh. was first. He yep, is. he is first. Uh, first article I see. Mets could target Blake Snell as a Yamamoto fallback plan. Why not both, Steve? Why not both? Yeah, I mean they're definitely going to be in play to, you know, probably do what they always do and and throwing throwing money at players but i mean we're two years in now with the steve cohen project and you know throwing money at players doesn't seem like it's particularly worked out for the mets i know the first year they had what it was a hundred plus win season and and they folded at home in the uh, wild card series so well they, they folded in atlanta the season was over after they got swept by the Braves. yeah but either way choke that and then you know not even making the playoffs last year after you know again i'm obviously a huge phillies fan but like the mets dominated the phillies last year i mean the phillies could not buy a win to save their life against the mets last year and the phillies got all the way to the game seven of the nlcs and realistically should have been in the world series if they didn't have just an absolute choke job um and and, and fall apart there but yeah i mean you know, year going on year three of the Steve Cohen project, he's kind of in a like, well, you know, do I throw money at everybody again and hope for the best? Because I'm sure he has guys around him who, who are more baseball intelligent. Um, but, you know, I, I highly doubt he's like this big minor league guy who, who can read the prospect room and, and see what he's got for this year. And, you know, I guess they have a nice piece in, uh, what's it, Francisco Alvarez as catcher, mm-hmm. you know, might, you know, might be able while he's young, hit in the 250 range for average. Um, but again, we'll, we'll probably, probably won't see that if he's an everyday player, but he'll, he'll hit the home runs. Um, and I guess he's somewhat of a serviceable option as a defender. I'm not sure where he ranks. Yeah. Uh, no. Alvarez, after his call-up last year, he was arguably a top-five catcher in baseball. And that's that's not me like being biased out there. Like defensive-wise? Defensive-wise, he was slightly above average. He was uh, above average in his framing, but he's still a little slow behind the plate in pop time. Yeah, yeah. well, that's um, just, you know, he's a bigger guy. You know, that's just, yeah, that's what you're going to get but, with that. One of the things Steve Cohen said after the disaster of last year was he wants to really make it a point to upgrade the farm system, and that kind of started at the trade deadline. Uh, the Mets' two top prospects right now are guys they got at that trade deadline, and uh, Ronald Acuna's little brother, Luis Angel, and Drew Gilbert yep. from the Astros, who they got for Verlander. So, I mean, the, the farm's a little bit better off than it was. It's still not great, but you got... Ronnie Mauricio, who came up at the end of last year, looked pretty good. Uh, they got another catcher down there that should be up maybe this year as a DH option. He, Kevin Paradis, he's pretty good. So it's, it's still not where it needs to be, but I think what Steve Cohen is going to do, at least for this year, is try to sign guys to make them competitive, but really just focus on making a, an established winner by upgrading the farm system and you know, getting a which is Which is not an overnight process. Yeah, 
I mean, you don't just go out and, you know, acquire all these prospects and just magically fix the farm system overnight. I mean, you know, fixing the farm system can take five to seven, maybe 10 years of, of drafting guys. Um, and if Steve Cohen continues to throw money at players and keeping, you know, the Mets competitive, they're not going to have high draft picks to, to hone in on, you know, the next, uh, you know, generational talent. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of wage the, you know, re- rebuilding the farm system while also staying competitive for the playoffs. I mean, that is something extremely difficult to do. Um, and, you know, we've we've seen it with the Phillies. I mean, sure, they've rebuilt the farm system a little bit, but they've been trying to rebuild that thing since like 2015. And it's, it's still you know, far from rebuild. I get it. They have a couple of nice young arms and, you know, Justin Crawford, uh, you know, I think he hit like 340 or 350 uh, in single A last year and he's only 18 or 19 years old. So yeah, they got some nice pieces in there, but it'll be interesting to see for the Mets if they can, you know, I feel like you got to kind of pick one or the other. Are you all in or are you on rebuild mode? And with Steve Cohen, he does not strike me as a guy that's going to, you know, sit and fold his hands and, you know, watch the team be bad for four or five years. I think, I think with baseball, there's ways around tanking to rebuild, especially through the international pool, which is where the Mets got Alvarez. Uh, It's where they got Ronnie Mauricio, so there, there's ways to get guys that, you know, you, you don't have to tank for. Right, but, there is. But that also, you know, you have to allocate a certain amount of money to that. And you also have a restriction on guys you can go. So if that's their route of saying, hey, we're just going to go international, they'll eventually be restricted because you can't just, kind of like you're saying, you can't just rely on that. That You know, the MLB has restrictions on, on who you can go after and the money you can give them and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so, and like I said, I mean, sure, there's ways around it, but it's going to be tough, dude. Like, you know, Steve Cohen's going to have to figure something out on how to obviously stay relevant. And, you know, the last thing the the fan base, including yourself, is, is going to want to see is, you know, Steve Cohen come out and say, hey, yeah, like we're not spending money. We're going to go into a full rebuild, you know, after he was hired to be the guy to throw, you know, stupid money, uh, I think is what he called it, um, at, at players. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't want him to be spending that stupid money anymore, especially after the Verlander disaster and the Scherzer disaster. But Well, I, I think he was kind of like just his hand was forced. Like everyone called him out like, all right, Steve, you just won 100 games. Like you got to You got to buy more to make the team better and you know again here's a hedge fund guy who it seems like common sense don't go sign two 40 year old pitchers to 100 plus million dollar contracts over the span of only three years nonetheless um so that wasn't particularly the smartest financial decision but like you kind of said they they were able to deal them off and uh and get get a couple nice pieces back but again baseball prospects are the biggest wild card uh i think of all the major sports oh definitely i mean guys can we we, we've seen it multiple times i think the phillies a couple years ago traded for uh mark appel who was the first first overall pick by the astros and he just cannot 
he couldn't he figure it out, and all he never, could do, never yeah, all he did was yeah, came we didn't in want to talk and, about that. And all he did was come in, and uh, you know, I think he like, I think he came in for like an inning of relief a couple times, and then uh, pretty much retired. Yeah, so I mean, good for him to overcome whatever struggles he was overcoming and make it to the majors. But yeah, it's like that—that's a very common story in baseball. Just high draft picks that never pan out. Right, and that's you know, number one overall. I mean, it seems like oh, you draft a guy number one, like it's like come on, I gotta get something out of this. Yeah. Um. So back to the Yankees. We we talked about Soto, but yesterday they got Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox which is just a ridiculous, ridiculous that the Yankees and the Red Sox are making the trade. Well, that's the thing. It's not like he signed as a free agent. Like, they, you know, held neg- negotiate- negotiations and uh, and dealt him over there. And I get it. You know, Verdugo isn't, like, a career Red Sox guy, right? Like, he came over in a trade. So there's not real, like, you know, oh, I guess he doesn't, he doesn't have a choice because, you know, it's a trade. But it's not like, oh, this is a, you know – career uh, Red Sox guy, you know, jumping over to the Yankees, uh, you know, spent, you know, most of his years in, out, out in L.A. and got traded over. So I don't look at it as a like, oh, my gosh, this guy's a trader. But again, you know, he doesn't have a choice if he gets traded. But to your point, it is wild uh, that he uh, that he jumps over to the Yankees. Yeah, he's a good player, too. He hit 281 in his career with the Red Sox. Yeah. Just- slot in in that outfield spot the Yankees solid bat he'll play solid defense so that that Yankees outfield now will be what judge Verdugo and Soto (laughs) yeah well I think uh, they could go after Bellinger too they came out and said uh uh judge will be the uh everyday center fielder yeah well the stadiums like you said a little league stadium so yeah yeah, well, uh, as Judge gets older, man, I mean, you know, this guy seems to be more injury prone, uh, you know, as the years go on and uh, as, you know, the series and the games go on. So uh, I think that'll be something to look out for. Is is Judge going to be able to stay healthy for another full year? And we'll see, too, because it seems like coming into this offseason, there was a lot of rumors of Bellinger, even before the season was over, of Bellinger going to the Yankees as well and playing in left or playing in right. But now, I mean, now that they have Soto, is a chance he can play left. But uh, we'll see if they go through with that. It'll definitely be interesting to see how they work that lineup. But, again, you know, I get it. You got Judge, you got Soto, but – the Yankees lineup is still lacking. Well, I mean, what? You have Verdugo now. You have um, Soto. You have Judge. You have Rizzo, who fell off a little bit last year. Stanton. Rizzo completely fell off last year. Yeah. I mean, that, guy, that guy's average was way down. Volpe maybe can turn into something. Um, but, yeah. I, I think those, those three – LeMahieu, yeah, I mean, there's guys there. Um, I guess they're just banking on a bunch of rebounds from the infield guys and hoping Volpe turns into a good everyday hitter. Yeah, I mean, Volpe still is a huge question mark in my eyes. I know everybody is, like, totally on board with him being just, like, an absolute stud. And I guess he could turn out to be one, but I just, dude, I mean, I, I don't have a good read on him. He just I, – I, I guess I understand the hype, but like I, you know, I'm just like every time I watch him play, I'm like he's, 
he's just he's fair. I mean, he's average. I mean, wait, I, hit like two ten last year. Yeah, his average his average was not great. He kind of reminds me of like a when the Phillies like first had him and when he first got called up as CJ Crawford. Oh, CJ Crawford. Yeah, because I mean he was like not a great hitter, good, a very good defensive shortstop, but just couldn't hit for his life. And that's kind of the same way I see it with Wolby, but now he's, he, like, now he's uh, good. He's like R- R- Ronald Torres. <laughs> Do you remember that guy? <laughs> I can't say I remember him playing. I remember the name. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. This guy was, like, ridiculous. <laughs> if he was on your team, like, you just knew, like... I mean, look, dude, the guy honestly had some clutch hits for the Phillies. Um, so, I'll give him that, but it was just... He was... It was pretty fun watching him go out there and play because of, you know, how small he was. So get, getting getting back on topic um, with free agency for MLB. Um, yeah, I mean, look, dude, Soto to the Yankees is, is, is big, massive, right? But is he, you know, going to shine in the New York lights? Probably. He's a guy who can handle all the pressure. He's a guy who's played in the postseason. He's a guy who has a World Series title. Um, but the Yankees for the last or whatever, uh, couple of years, uh, you know, they've, they haven't been able to figure it out. And now with the revamped outfield of Verdugo, Soto and judge, um, is it going to be able to work out? Uh, again, look, judge has had some injury issues the last, uh, last year, two years or whatever the case may be. So Verdugo, I mean, I know he's had, uh, uh, IL stints um in the past as well so i think it's really are the yankees going to be able to stay healthy and look we haven't even got into their rotation obviously garrett cole great he's a guy who can who can always um you know win it win a playoff game when 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 it win a game win one game for you but then who's two three and four and that's the biggest question right now because they lost severino um and I, I don't know, you know, I guess Nestor Cortez is there, obviously coming off an injury. So that's something to think about and, and look at. Um, but the biggest thing is going to be is can the pitching hold up? They just deal, dealt Michael King. That's arguably their best bullpen arm. Um, I know he had a couple spot starts, but, you know, where where does the pitching fall or line up for the Yankees? Because, again, we've seen teams with these loaded lineups, but a loaded lineup doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, winning games if, if, you know, your pitching can't hold up. Well, they, they still have Carlos Rodon there. I know he was injured last year, but he came back. Right. Yeah, he almost, like, forget right. about him because of how injured he was. And when he came back, he wasn't good. No, he was bad. He took a long time off. Um, he, he did have some better starts towards the end of the year. But, yeah, right. he's always going to be a guy. He was not good. <laughs> he's always going to be a guy that throws a lot of pitches and it doesn't last very deep into a game. Which isn't great when you just dealt arguably your best bullpen arm. And we'll see too, because the Yankees have been um, one of the front. It seems like one of their front runners for uh, Yamamoto. Um, Who the Yankees are? Yeah, I've heard Yankees. I've heard. I, the Will Yankees the Mets are getting Yamamoto? All right, I'm, all right. I'm just saying the Yankees had a. You know, they're they're trying to get him. I've seen Yankees, Mets, and uh, there's one other team. I just can't think of who it was. Yeah, the Yankees need another arm. They they need at least one more starting pitcher. 
Well, that's what I'm saying, right? So, you know, who knows what happens when Redon comes back? Is he going to be a serviceable arm, which, you know, you expect him to figure it out a little bit, right? I mean, the guy knows how to pitch in the MLB, but he didn't look good. I mean, how much is that injury going to affect him? Yeah, I don't know. The, the guy almost won a Cy Young Award. Like, he, he's not a scrub. He's only 30. Right, right. He should be able to uh, to lock back in and uh, and figure it out to some extent. But at the same time, you know, he, 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 we can look at the paper all we want. Is he going to be, uh, you know, a guy who can come in and, and figure it out off an injury? I mean, baseball injuries are weird, man. Guys come back and, and, and you know, can it can really derail their career. Yeah, you're not wrong. All right, I take back what I said about him last year. He was awful in September. Yeah, he I told, I, that's what I said. <laughs> he, was I, he, was, he was not good at all. Yeah, he had an 8.1 ERA in September. Yeah, so if those are good numbers for final couple uh, outings, then uh, they're going to run into some trouble. But speaking yeah, of the rotation – What's up? No, go ahead. I was just saying, speaking of their rotation, um, you know, right, so you have Garrett Cole. He's locked in as the certified guy, um, number one, right? He's a guy you can feel confident regardless of what the lineup looks like. He's a guy you can trust to let up, like, you know, one run, two runs max and and keep the game competitive. But then what is is, is Rodon or Rodon um, – I see the number two. Does Nestor Cortez slot back in as number two? I mean, it's interesting because those are two left-handed arms. Yeah, so they do have the young kid, Clark Smith. Um, he, I think, was okay last year. So he Again, might split I up. Think, would they want to throw him in, in the bullpen, though? No, I, I think he's going to... Well, I think okay. You get a you get a right hander slot in at the three spot, and then you split up Rodon and Cortez at two and four. Didn't he bounce from and then have Smith be five MLB to the triple uh to triple A a lot last year? He or started thirty two games. Okay, hundred fifty nine innings. I might be thinking of another prospect. I remember starting one of the like young guys they picked up. Um, they brought called up and then they brought him down because he didn't really have a great few starts. Yeah, I mean, he, he's fourteen and fifteen in his career, four point three six ERA. So that that's a decent decent five starter there. So they're probably okay with him at the five. And then you have Cortez, yeah, Smith. And so you you need one more arm to I guess be that three to split up the two lefties in there. But then beyond that, they just traded away pretty much all their pitching depth. So, I mean, I can't see Cortez as a two. I, I mean, at most, I think he would be the three because he's not like a guy that goes in and gets his six. Teams are days. teams are really going to be able to like track that up though if they know, hey, we're coming into a series and we have two lefties going. I mean, they're going to be able to load right-handed lineups, and the Yankees are kind of going to be, you know, at a spot where they can't really do anything about it. Yeah, I think at that point you just you just hope your new additions in the outfield can outscore teams. Yeah, and right. So uh, Judge, obviously, great piece. Um, Soto, again, I guess his average was down a little bit, but he's still a guy who's probably going to crank a shit ton of home runs in that little league ballpark. Um, so especially being a lefty. 
Yeah, exactly. You got the short porch and right. Um, I mean, shit. I went to a game last year. It was Rays Yankees, and Luke Rayleigh was, or whatever the guy's name on the uh, on the Rays is, was fucking cranking home runs into the short porch. So it's definitely uh, not the hardest thing to do, especially for a guy uh, with the skill set that uh, you know Soto has. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, so Soto gone now. We talked about Yamamoto. We talked about Snell. Is there anyone else really? We haven't touched up on Otani. Oh yeah. Well, Otani, Otani's still. Uh, you know, I heard he, talks are heating up, but who are they heating up with? So Salt he visited the Dodgers, which apparently we weren't supposed to figure out. Otani wants to keep all of his visits very secretive, and Dave right. Roberts just flat out said he had dinner with him. Uh, so I also I, saw though uh, geography uh, isn't 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 doesn't matter for Otani. He wants to go to a team who can win and uh, you know obviously be super competitive uh, for a ring. So you know I think that opens up the door for a lot more teams, and it's going to be interesting to see if he does go with a geography move. Because obviously the Dodgers still would be, you know, very annoying team if they got him. But at the same time, he could say, you know, try and go, try and go somewhere. I mean, shit, bro. What if the what if the Rangers sign him? I, I don't think the Rangers have going the, to the Braves. Yeah, I, I know there's no salary cap, but I <laughs> I have a hard time believing the Rangers could afford afford Otani on top of everything else. Yeah, and I guess they don't really need him considering they just won the World Series. But, I mean, I mean, you got to remember, dude, Marcus Simeon's going into, what, his age 34 year? I mean, that guy isn't young anymore. Not that they played the same position, but. He had a great year last year. So it looks like. It looks like tax hell. Uh, his top suitors right now, it has the Angels, which I, I – couldn't no believe he'd go back to them. No, yeah. he's not going to the Angels. No shot. And then the Dodgers and the Giants are both up there. And then it, the Mets are there just because Steve Cohen. But I, it doesn't look like he's going to the Mets. I've been hearing a lot of Blue Jays, too. I, I, I thought it was just Dodgers, Blue Jays, and uh, Giants or something like that. See, is yeah. that real, though? Is that real? Or is it just like, oh, Hing Jun Ru is there, so he might want to <laughs> go there. I think the thing with the Blue Jays, if they got him, they – there were talks that they would have to blow it up and probably get rid of uh, Bichette and maybe Vlad, and I, I don't think they would do that. No, no way. That would be that's their corner, cornerstone right there. Those two guys. So I, yeah. I think it was more of just like a some Reddit. The Blue Jays were supposed to be a team that was supposed to be good last year, and they were bad. I mean, I, they weren't bad, but they were nowhere near as good as it should have been. They, they made the playoffs. Didn't they? Uh, I don't think they did. I think they just missed playoffs. No, they, I mean, they got bounced by the Twins first round. Oh, that's right. But, yeah, they made the wild card, and then they lost to the tw- – uh, was it the Twins? Yeah, they, they got swept by the Twins, didn't they? Yeah. Sure they did, yeah. But let's talk about it for a second because all those teams are, are suitors just because, I guess, you know – and I don't know what the Blue Jays GM or, or ownership will be willing to throw out there, but, I mean – Steve Cohen is the guy who says he has the stupid money. I mean, you know, what if he throws some, like, absolutely astronomical number at Otani and they get Otani? I mean, that would probably be a full 180 for the Mets lineup, you know. And, again, another thing to think of 
which I don't know, is Steve Cohen thinking about this? Uh, you know, Otani can't pitch for another two years. Yeah, I think he's just he's such a good hitter if you don't really you can live without but he's pitching. going to command the pitcher money as well. Well, you're, yeah, you're going to sign him for like a 10-year contract. So you're assuming he's pitching for eight of those years. How old is he? 31 or 32? Isn't he no, a little bit older? he's still in his 20s. Oh, he's, he's still like in 29. his 29. Yeah, he's 29. That's what it is. So he would most likely get like an 11-year deal. Yeah, you get him for like an 11-year deal. And then probably it's really – that's like what, what, what either common sense or what it might sound like. Like, oh, that makes sense. But like, dude, teams make, you know – crazy moves or, or do things that are a little bit, you know, out of the box where, like, what if a team goes out and throws them a 15-year deal? 15 years would be crazy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we've seen 13-year deals. Yeah, I yeah mean, but for 29-year-old? Yeah, that was for Bryce. I think that was when he was 26. I think he was 26 when he signed that, I think. He was a little bit younger. But it's I'm usually saying, crazy man. to get anyone out after like forty-two. That's that's usually when the cutoff. I, I saw something earlier today too that um, Bryce is saying he wants to have another contract extension and basically retire as a Philly, which is crazy. Right. Well, when do, when does his end? When he turns forty? I believe so. I think he signed up when he was twenty-six. So I think when he's when he's like 39 he's like, that'll expire and then what he wants to sign like a two or three year deal extension i guess he just basically announced that he's gonna retire as a philly which i mean wasn't really hard to understand that but i guess even after his career uh even after his that big contract is up he still wants to play which obviously shit can change but you know who knows yeah a lot can change in in that uh in that time period and uh you know, the Phillies got to figure it out, right? I mean, Trey Turner needs to have a huge year this year. Bryce will obviously do what Bryce does. Um, you know, looking for Bryce and Stott to step it up. And, uh, you know, the division isn't going to get any easier, right? I mean, how many years can you bank on beating the Braves in the playoffs? Um, it's going to be something that has to start getting talked about, right? Because last two years, the Phillies have had the Braves number in the playoffs, but I, I just I find it so hard to believe that, you know, they're going to just continue to walk through the Braves, walk through Atlanta and, and continue to propel through that. I mean, there's got to be some pushback at some point to where, you know, the, the, the Braves start stepping up in the playoffs and are just, you know, sick and tired of losing to the Phillies every year. And the Braves at this point in time are probably winning the NL East again next year. I mean, let's just be honest, right? Yeah, no, no, yeah, they, they, uh, the Braves, have, they, have, they haven't been, you know, major buyers so far in the offseason, but they have made some moves. Uh, they made a trade with the Mariners, getting uh, old friend Jared Kalenic, Evan White, and Marco Gonzalez, who they ended up trading to the Pirates for a player to be named later, which I don't – Marco Gonzalez is still a decent pitcher, so I'm not sure why they – bothered to acquire him if they weren't going to keep him. But, you know, Jared Kalenic started to figure out last year. Evan White's a solid piece. So the Braves are just going to reload, retool, and, you know, try to beat the Phillies next year because I don't know if the Mets will be there. Yeah, I mean, look, the the Braves are probably winning the NL East again, and it's going to be, you know, the Phillies and the Mets battling for the wild card, you know. And, look, 
the Marlins made the playoffs last year, so I guess you can't really count them out either. Yeah, uh, you can count them out because they, for some reason, failed to give. Uh, I'm gonna butcher her name, but Kim Ang, I think it is, um, control of baseball operations. So she left. So that yeah. franchise is back in turmoil because she was the only reason that team turned it around. And now that she's gone, I don't know what direction they're going to take. But So I, I don't have faith in the Marlins. Yeah, I mean, it was wild. They started the year off. Uh, they were hot, like one of the hotter team, hottest teams in baseball starting the year off, and then they just fell fell off towards the end of the season. Oh, yeah. They went on an awful losing yeah. streak, and they fell into the, the last seed and had to play the Phillies, and they got absolutely killed. And no chance. Yeah, their their young pitching really really failed them toward the end. So right now, with no, with no, um, and I want to jump back into the Mets here with no acquisitions yet. I mean, what's the Mets one two three right now for starting <laughs> rotation? Oh, it, it's it is very gross. It's Kodai Senga. Is he the um, number one right now, Senga? He's the ace. Okay, which is fair. You Which have is okay, Jose whatever. Quintana. Yeah, he's fine. And then you have Jose Quintana. Yeah, that's it's the number two. That's, that's the starting rotation right now. Yeah, see, that obviously needs a lot of work. And, you know, what Steve Cohen said he's not going after all these free agents? Well, they're, they're really pushing hard for Yamamoto. So that would get them their three. They still have Tyler McGill there. They, oh, they have Severino now. Tyler so. McGill! Oh, Severino that's right. will be in the starting Severino's rotation. Severino's there on a one-year deal. Um, so the, the starting rotation as of right now, this is disgusting. It's going to be Kodai Senga, and then slotting behind him, Quintana, probably Severino, and then Tyler McGill. Which, Quintana and, wasn't horrible, but he's not a number two. No, he's not. He's like, and then at, at the five, you have... Either Joey Lucchese or David Peterson. Jose Budo! And Jose Budo could make a case. Dude, I fucking hate it when you texted me. There was like one day where you, you texted me and you're like, look at look at fantasy baseball right now. And I look and like, Jose Budo's got like 38 fantasy points. I'm like, all right, what is this nonsense? Yeah. So I was playing you that week, I think. But <laughs> in, a, in a wild card series, the Mets throw Sanga... Quintana and Severino as their one, two, three. Well, the, the thing right now, the Mets are not a playoff caliber roster. No. Even in the lineup, you have, we talked about Alvarez at catcher. Your infields, Pete Alonzo, Lindor, Brett Beatty, and either Jeff McNeil or Ronnie Mauricio. Your DH is probably Mark Vientos. And then your outfield is Starling Marte, who's been had an injured groin for a year and a half now. Brandon Nimmo. And, and he's either, also old. Marte's yeah. got to be like 34. And then either DJ Stewart or Alex Ramirez. So they, they have they have work to do. Um, I guess you could slot Wendell. Can Wendell play the outfield? I, the, the Mets have a lot of work to do to fill some holes. Right, and it's going to have to come through free agency, which Steve Cohen said he wasn't particularly looking to do. Is there any, um, any Mets free agents this year? Uh, they non-tendered a couple guys. They non-tendered Yorme. Um, they didn't bring back Vogel back, which is a which is a shame. Yeah, they didn't that's, bring back Vogel back. They brought back Drew Smith, who's he had a down year last year, but he's a decent bullpen arm. 
Yeah, it's um, like David Robertson, Carlos Carrasco. It's more so the guys that you just wouldn't care about. Yeah, yeah. well, they traded Robertson to the, the Marlins. Oh, yeah, that's the right. Cur- the that's Carrasco right. experiment didn't work out at all. Yeah, well, I mean, it got him one door, so. I guess. I mean, has the Lindor experiment worked out? Lindor has been good in the advanced stats. People look Dude, at I feel like and... he has, like, slumps during the year, though, where it's like, oh, my God, this guy is, like, really bad. Yeah, he, that's the problem with him. He'll he'll go, like, two weeks without, like, without getting a hit. I mean, one right, of those that... really bad slumps you're thinking about was when he <laughs> broke his pinky. And they, uh, and like, then played still play. Yeah. yeah. That was a really door. bad slump. Yeah. yeah but I, I mean, think... last, year, last year he had pretty decent numbers. He had, he had an 806. No, no, no. Pass. He's definitely still a great player. I'm just saying, um, you know, hasn't really worked out yet with him in New York. So yeah. I, I just got this notification from Bleacher. So they're saying there's seven contenders for Yamamoto, and it's the Yankees, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, and the Mets. Or that's only f- five, but... They're probably well, the mystery just, teams in there. Like, yeah, the mystery teams. But they, they, those are the five uh, main ones they listed, at least. They're just slapping the Mets on any free agent name. All right, we have a we have a Mets fan in here, Bobby Wallace, requesting to speak. Want to see what, what uh, Bobby has to say about the Mets here? Uh, yeah, we can get him on here for a quick segment uh, for a minute or two. Uh, what do you got, Bob? Hey, how are you guys doing? What's up? Uh, well, you guys brought up um, Lindor. Lindor has been very unproductive for the Mets, and I'm somebody who has been very adamant about him and been on him a lot. Uh, there was a thing this this year against the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, he had a costly error that came to six runs. Uh, as remember yep. the game on ESPN. That Brett Beatty uh, pop-up that he didn't catch that he fell on his face with the ball in front of him. If you actually go back, there's a 3D video from Major League Baseball. Um, you just, if you look where Lindor is, he's just walking towards third base. He's not going over to help uh, Beatty with the ball. Like, yeah, Lindor hit 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases last year, but the guy just has issues. Um, there was a game in Milwaukee... Uh, Francisco Alvarez hit a three-run jack, and he was in the dugout and caught on video uh, from SNY. The he's in the dugout telling Alvarez to stop celebrating the home run, stop basically telling him to calm down, don't do it. Yeah, I, I do remember that that clip you're talking about. It's it seems like with Lindor, for some reason, that competitive edge that should be coming out at certain moments just doesn't. And I don't know why. So th- this was something when we, we got him. Look, I was I was excited when we got him. But he, he's done some certain things on this team. Uh, him lazily running out balls deep in the hole that, you know, a couple of years ago he would sprint and beat out. Um, mm-hmm. Coming up with, you know, big a big, a big AD with two outs, bases loaded. And he's swinging for the fences when, you know, couple years ago when he was in Cleveland, he would be swinging for a line drive base hit. It's, I, I don't want to be harp on the man. He's a good ball player. He's probably a great teammate, but you know, the whole thing 
with him with the thumbs down situation with Javi Baez from a few years ago. Um, him, him and McNeil fighting in the dugout, uh, and then McNeil's truck situation that finally got rectified. It, it just feels like he doesn't fit here in New York. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, Bob, I, I completely agree with you. Um, uh, maybe not a fit. I guess it's still too early to be seen. But, you know, uh, I don't know if you heard when we were kind of jumping all over guys getting these big contracts. But, you know, guys play hard. You said, look, right, he didn't have the crazy money in Cleveland. So he was playing hard every day. Now he's got the security of the money in his back pocket. And, you know, naturally it's human instinct. You get complacent. You get comfortable. And when the team isn't performing around you, um, it's tough for guys to step up like that when they have the, uh, you know, complacency of, uh, of the money in their back pocket. So I think, uh, you know, uh, Lindor isn't, is he bought in? I guess. But like you said, he, he seems like he's trending into a lazy ball player. And if I'm a Mets fan, which I'm not by any stretch here, um, it, it's definitely a little concerning considering he's a guy who, who is, you know, the, the Bryce Harper of that team, so to speak, the, the all-star, the guy, I know you got Pete Alonzo, but. Um, oh, yeah, don't I get mean... me started on the whole Pete Alonzo thing. I, I'm a diehard <laughs> Mets fan. Uh, I said it today in another space um, before I got rudely kicked down because some Met, some Met fans don't want to hear the truth. Uh, I'm one of those people who was, who called out what was going to happen with the Mets last year. Um, I was 100% right. What happened with with the New York Mets? I was four Same. months ahead of it. I was four months ahead of everybody. The whole thing in the dugout. Everybody was sitting away from each other in the dugout. Um, uh, these guys just not talking to each other. There, there was times you they would pan into the dugout and they were all sitting separate, unlike the year prior, where they were all rallying around each other. And a lot of it, I think, was probably because a lot of the elder statesmen, be that Max Scherzer, they brought in Justin Verlander. Those two are pit bulls. They want to fight each other, which I was, you know, I, I was all over Justin Verlander. You know, first his first start as a Met in Detroit, he gives up two straight bombs. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, in seven starts, his first seven starts as a New York Met, he gave up seven home runs. And he continued that even when he went back to Houston. He was giving up home runs left, right, and central. But well, I don't think uh, you know it's it's going to be tough for the Mets to to hone it all together in terms of you know getting guys. I know you touched on chemistry and guys not you know collaborating and gelling together in the dugout, which usually is a direct lef- uh, reflection to how they interact in the clubhouse. And yep. when you just bring all these random free agents in and throw money at them, you're bringing in a bunch of different egos. And look. If you're a guy who's making 10, 15, 20 million dollars a year, you know, you don't want to hear it from somebody else on on why you should be doing this or why you should be doing that. You're going to have your ego. And again, it goes back to human instinct. You know, these guys have their own way they go about it. They've earned, you know, their right uh, to, to, to make, you know, decent money. And when you when you gel all these guys together, um, it, it, you know, life can seem uh very well but trouble in paradise uh seems to uh uh be what happens uh as soon as a little slight thing goes wrong um it, it's usually uh not not a recipe for success yeah, having it, all these guys together. this is one of the things with with the mets i don't know if you guys hang going to any Mets spaces is 
Uh, well, I, so Bob, I want to be clear, uh, myself, Matt, and again, me, Will, and Brian are all part of Views from Section 400. So if you want to check out any of our other content, definitely head over to our other socials. Uh, we do podcasts and stuff like that. This is obviously dominated with baseball conversation with uh, the hot stove, winter meetings, all that stuff heating up. But, um, but yeah, I, myself and Will are both Phillies fans. So, oh, boy. I, I just entered the Bears' den. <laughs> yeah, you really did. But uh, again, well, you hey. know, we, we, we know how to keep it civil and uh, and not jump down each other's throats on anything. But and the Phillies have their own issues they have to address. Um, you know, I'm not saying that they're all high and mighty either, but they're a team that's been able to get it done in the playoffs uh, the last few years. Obviously, didn't uh, get to the glory land, but. Um, you know, the Mets, I think, have a lot more to figure out in terms oh, of... Oh, we 100% do. You're right, Matt. And one of the things with the Mets that needs to be figured out, and this was something I said last year, because uh, I, I, I'm one of those Mets fans that I pay attention to the team a lot. I I, I over-analyze over the club. Is Right, you you're looking tell... all the way down to what, what kind of chewing gum they got in the dugout. <laughs> And, you know, th- there, there was a game last season. Uh, it was in Milwaukee, actually. It was the game in Milwaukee that uh, Francisco Lindor hit the Grand Slam. Uh, it was the go-ahead Grand Slam, which which then the Mets would lose that game later uh, later on in that game after he oh, hit the go-ahead. Which I forgot not about a that game, game Bob. <laughs> it's a bad memory you just brought up. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 what's funny is I, I, I sit back and I go, I watched that game, and I go, they just didn't have it. You know, they get the lead, they blow it, they get the lead back, they blow it. And it's just like, and then um, I think Pete got plunked late in the game, mm-hmm. which, by the way, the Mets were getting plunked left, right, and central last year. And, you know, Buck doesn't go out and argue it. You know, that's another thing with the Mets. They don't, they're not fighting for each other. No. When you're, they were so boring last year. Like, it, just watching them in the dugout, watching them play games, it was just I think, a uh, you know, in terms of, of – and, again, they didn't they didn't have a rock star hiring of a new manager either this year. Um, you know, I know Brian, who's also in here and a big Mets guy, is not uh, the biggest fan of, um, you know, of the, new, of the new hire. But I, I'm not a fan of him either. Uh, I, there you I'm, go. I mean, you guys both are diehard Met fans here, and uh, it sounds like the true, you know, Met diehard fans, you know, aren't really on board with this new hire. And you know, do we have another? Uh, uh, who was the? Uh, Luis who was Rojas. the other Luis Rojas, uh, Spanish guy? Um, Luis Rojas and, and Luke, Mickey Calloway. Yeah, so that's the thing is, I the, mean, the that could be, went, this could be 2.0 all over again. I, 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 to be truly oh, no, honest with you, I think it is. I really think it is because we had Mickey Calloway originally. And then Which, I don't had, know if you can get it, get worse than Mickey Calloway. I mean, the Mets would be down, the Mets would be down eight nothing, and that guy's like smiling in the dugout. The one yeah. classic thing I remember with Mickey Calloway is like the clip of Frank the Tank, and it's like they're playing in Arizona, and uh, someone hits a home run for Arizona, it just cuts to M- Mickey Calloway laughing in the dugout, and everyone's just like fucking screaming about it. It was absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Mets have a lot of problems and a lot of issues they have to fix, and you know we we go out and we bring in just. Dave David Stearns, who, by the way, is supposed to be this great analytic mind who's supposed to know what he's doing. And he's bargaining, you know. I don't know if you guys li- I don't know if you guys listen to the radio up here with WFAN. And- oh, I'm a huge Mike Francesca guy, even though he's not on the uh, <laughs> on the WFAN anymore. But, uh, yeah, I love seeing the old-time clips with Mikey F. 
<laughs> it, 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 we have a thing, you know, the, the new thing that's come out is bargain bin shopping, and the Mets have been in the bargain bin aisle all po- all off season, and yep. David Stearns is not in a good position here. No, especially with, what is especially what is Juan Soto what is trade. bringing what is bringing Joey Wendell in going to do? I mean, <laughs> you, really, you what is that guy well, going Wendell's to solve? Defense, Wendell B is more of a defensive pickup. He's very good at defense. He doesn't have the bat anymore. He wasn't like he was a couple of years ago, where he was hitting to a buck two eighty, hitting twelve home runs in a season. He's he's very he's basically an upgrade over Luis Guillorme, who was injured last year, which the Mets let him go. <laughs> Uh, when they had a tender people, right? Um, he, he's, he's just, just another he, Jeff McNeil, though, right? Like, no, he's actually. What's funny? There, there was a play from a couple years ago when he was on the Tampa Bay Rays. It was when the when the shift was here. He was over on the right side of the infield, and it was a hard ground ball. It bounced off the lip of the grass in the outfield, and he backed up, basically supermaned it, got the ball, and then chucked it into home plate to get the guy out at home plate. It was a rowdy play, and I'm like, okay, but he, he can't bat. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, needs I, some, I, you know, some I, power. it's going to be something, something to see. And uh, you know, obviously, uh, we want to keep dominating uh, with baseball conversation as the winter meetings heat up. But for me, at least, Bob, I actually got to run and jump on a podcast right now. So I'm going to jump on out of here. I appreciate you jumping in and giving your thoughts. Uh, definitely yeah, shoot us a follow. Yeah, one last thing real quick with the Mets here is, you know, what we, you should got, have been on, we, we should have been on Juan Soto. We should have not let the Yankees get away with this. It's just going to be – But who just, do you guys have to trade to him? Well, clearly it what, what, didn't what, take a lot. What's funny, Matt, is it didn't my take best a lot to get him. My best friend's a Yankee fan, right? Right. And he and I both agreed is the Padres want too much. You could literally trade maybe two pitchers and money. The Padres have no control in this trade. Zero control. Right. Soto wanted out of there. But I'll let you guys go. Thanks for having me on. I will talk to you guys later. Yeah, Bob. Make sure you check out all our uh, socials. Yep, I give you guys Um, a follow. Yeah, check us out on Instagram and and the pods drop weekly. Uh, We got a pod that comes out during the week, and uh, we do some NFL stuff too. Um, on the weekend with some free picks and stuff like that. Uh, so definitely check us out. I got to run here, though. I uh, appreciate you hopping in here, Bob. And uh, look out for any other uh, Twitter spaces that we run. Um, you know, as it gets a little bigger, it might be tough to get you on for an extended run here. But uh, like I said, appreciate you hopping on, man. And, uh, you know, look forward to uh, seeing you in uh, the spaces going forward. Yep. Have a good night, guys. Yeah. All right.